Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and the Gospel of John chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 5 and the Gospel of John chapter 10. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. So good to see each of you in the house of the Lord this morning. God bless our visitors. We're glad you're with us today. We welcome you to Abundant Life. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 reads this way. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And then the Gospel of John chapter 10, the 27th and 28th verses. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I will give unto them eternal life and they will never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. No one can take you out of God's hands once you place yourself there. But you have to place yourself there. And the only way out is if you leave. Nobody else can make you leave. And nobody can take you away from his hand. And so today I want to preach to you for a few minutes on this subject. Is my life still in his hands? There's a saying in the world, they say you're in good hands when you're with Allstate. You're in good hands if you're in Jesus' hands this morning. Amen. Let's give Jesus one more round of applause. We thank you, Jesus, for being so good to us, God. Lord, you're great. And you do miracles so great. And there's none like you. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There is no Savior until we first have a Lord. I have mentioned this to you before, but I want to set the stage for what I want to preach to you today. A lot of people want a Savior, but not so many people want a Lord. But you will never find one time in the scripture where Lord and Savior are mentioned in the same verse where Lord doesn't come before Savior. He needs to be your Lord before he can become your Savior. Now we would have to acknowledge even from the book of Genesis that we were created from the dirt of the earth. I am not an expert on dirtology, but I know that there's a difference between dirt and clay. The outward observation of the difference would be that clay sticks together. It's cohesive. Oftentimes, it's more moist than dirt is. I know that it's easier to make things out of clay than it is to make something out of dirt. And so with that in mind, I would like you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 18 and verse 1. 
Jeremiah chapter 18 and verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Jeremiah, I want you to rise and I want you to go down to the potter's house and I will show thee to hear my words. I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. The vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. So what we have here, if I can paint a picture in your mind, is we have a potter who is an expert at making vessels of usefulness. He knows what to do with clay. He shapes it with his hands initially. His fingers can even design it and make marks in it. He's an expert at what he does. We also have a wheel, and on that wheel is clay. The clay is marred, or it's not of any use, it's just a blob. And on that, that clay is placed on a wheel, and the wheel spins. And as the wheel spins, the potter puts his hands on it and begins to shape the vessel. Pretty basic and simple idea. Now, let me define to you what each of these are. Jesus is the potter. We are the clay. The wheel is the altar. It is the place where we come to be shaped to be made over again, because we are all marred, and we are all scarred. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all in that group. We're all in that classification. And he works on our life and shapes us, not as pleases us, but as pleases him. You may say, I want to be a pitcher. And God says, no, you're going to be a cup. But the potter shapes you because he knows what's best for you and what he wants to make out of your life so that he can use it. Now, if we go to the next verse, verse five, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, oh, house of Israel, he's speaking to the prophet here. Cannot I do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel, the whole nation. We need to get to a point in our lives where we stop trying to shape ourselves and we let the potter do his work. But before any of that can happen, there needs to be a brokenness that comes to our lives. You see, God can't shape things that are hard. He can only shape things that are soft. And they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. All of your tears softens your clay. Brokenness is something that the potter needs from the onset. 
The sacrifices of God, the scripture said, are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. The scripture went on to say even in the New Testament that if you fall on this rock, you will be broken. But if the rock falls on you, it will grind you to powder. Those are your only two choices because there is going to be a brokenness in your life. There's going to be a brokenness in your life. And he's not only speaking about a person, he even speaks about a nation. Even the plan of salvation is included in this picture that I've tried to create for you. The brokenness that we must experience is repentance. The vessel must be washed, that's baptism. The vessel must be shaped and then can be filled and that's receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost and that's even evident in Acts chapter two and verse 38. But even beyond all that I've said to you to this point, even beyond his hands, God uses his word. Hebrews 4 and 12 says that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints of the marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. So the potter also has a sharp tool that he uses on our life. Most of the shaping is done with the hands, but the refining is done with the word the sharp object that cuts. Now this, I would imagine, is not very pleasant to the clay. Has God ever done that in your life? He knows what he's doing. He's an expert at what he does. We need to trust him. Can I get an amen? We need to trust him. He knows what he's doing. Let me go back to Jeremiah 18 and 7. At what instant shall I speak concerning, now he's ta he talked about the house of Israel, which represents a nation. Now he defines it even beyond Israel. At what instant shall I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck it up, pull it down, and destroy it? I could just destroy what I'm creating if I wanted to. But if that nation, verse eight, against whom I have pronounced, turns from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. At what instant shall I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it? And then he turns around and goes the opposite direction again and says, but if it do evil in my sight that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. Well, why are you reading that to us? Because folks, I believe that we are living in prophetic times. And I'm gonna say this and I don't care if you're offended or not. I believe we have witnessed one of the greatest national miracles that America has ever seen in just the last few weeks. It's a miracle. Very, very few people ever saw it coming. 
And I'm going to tell you why it happened. And abundant life was part of it, and you were part of it. Because people all over the world for the last month before the election were praying and were fasting and seeking after God and crying out for his mercy and one more opportunity to repent and turn back to God. This is actually a fulfillment of 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, which we love to quote. This is our chance as a nation. And I pray that the church will not back away from prayer and from fasting and from seeing what God wants to bring us back to in our faith, in our repentance, in our brokenness as a nation, and being shaped by God as our potter. This is our opportunity, folks. We better seize it. So if you want to get in shape, you need to first come to the altar, and there needs to be some brokenness, some brokenness in our lives. Oftentimes in the Old Testament and sometimes even in the New, prophets would stand before the people and give them a visual illustration of what God was saying with his words. Because see, we learn not only through what we hear, we learn through what we see. So I want to give you a demonstration of what I'm preaching today. Now, everybody needs a blame bag. Do you ever meet anybody that says, well, it's not my fault, it's somebody else's fault? Somebody has to be blamed. Often, now, I'm gonna give you this just as a little side note, it's not the emphasis of my, of my message today. But when bad things happen to good people, some people even wanna blame God. Why didn't this person live longer? Why did this automobile accident take place? Why did this person get this disease? I'm angry and I have to blame somebody. And so we get this blame bag. I also brought a cup that my wife said I could sacrifice today. (laughs) With her permission, I wanna give you a visual illustration of specifically what I'm saying. There are a lot of people that have already had their lives shaped, and the older you get, the less likely it is that you will change. You hate change. There's a young man right there declaring what I just said. You hate change. And so what happens to us sometimes is we end up in a bag We call this bag life. This cup ends up in this bag and some bad things begin to come our way. And it hurts. Bad things. How about this? You lose your job. That's a bad thing, huh? And it crushes you and you. And you get mad at your employer. He fired me or he let me go and, and you get angry. You're broken, but you're angry and so you're in the blame bag. Or you get a bad report from the doctor 
and it begins to, it begins to break you. And pretty soon, these terrible things that have happened to you make your life pretty miserable. And you can blame God, and you can blame life, and you can blame doctors, and you can blame employers, and you can blame family members. But it doesn't change the fact that you're busted up over it. But that's not the end of this cup. That's just the beginning of a new cup, a new creation. Now remember the verse of scripture that I quoted to you earlier? I said that if any man falls upon the rock, he will be broken, that's what Jesus said. But if the rock falls on you, you'll be ground in the parlor. When we begin to snap and we begin to break because bad things happen to us, and I don't know if they're caused by God or if God allows them, but they've still come to our life. They're still there. They're still real and we begin to feel broken. We can try and put this back together. How about a little super glue? Little super glue, we'll see if we can put the handle back on and even if we can't, we'll just try and, try and hold it together. Just try and piece our life back together. But that's not what God wants you to do in your brokenness. He wants you to come to the rock and he wants you to cast yourself on the rock. See, and a piece, you knew the pieces were gonna come out. And pretty soon things are falling out of the blame bag and you're all over the place and there's brokenness because you come with your pride and say, I don't wanna be proud anymore. Take away my pride. I'm broken of that. I'm humbled to the point that I know that in my flesh dwells no good thing. I can't fix this. I, are you hearing me? I can't make this work out, Lord. So I'm just gonna come and throw myself on the rock. I'm tired of being an unforgiving person. I've held a grudge for years against this person, maybe even against God, but I'm tired of unforgiveness. And you begin to throw yourself on the altar and you begin to cry out to God and say, God, take away this unforgiving spirit. Take away this pride. Take away this anger. And all the time, you're pounding on the rock and all your, you feel like your life is falling apart, but really it's just coming together. This is really what God wanted all along. And change is beginning to take in place. And pretty soon you just lay there and you say, that's it. There's nothing left. I'm just, I'm just a few degrees short of powder already. And God says, good. And you pick yourself up in your blame bag and you come to an altar I'm not talking about coming to an altar with one of these where you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You bow or you curtsy and you do your obeisance and you turn and you walk away. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you say, I wish the guy would quit preaching 
and he just let me come to an altar and let me fall on the altar on my face before God and begin to cry out as to how much I need him and how much I want him to reshape and make my life and to acknowledge that he's the only potter that can make all of this right. You say, well, what can he do with a bag of busted parts? I'll tell you what he can do. He can take it to a kiln. He can melt it down. He can reshape it again. He can make it over again. That's what he does. He is a potter, but he needs brokenness. He needs you to tell the truth. He needs to, you to acknowledge your sin and your need of him. Because listen, all this stuff about, well, you just gotta be a man and buck up and, and be strong and men don't cry and, and quit whining around like a little baby. No, you need to whine like a little baby. You need to go to an altar like a child and cry out to your father and say, I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to put on my plastic face and try and fool anybody. I've got hurts. I've got habits. I've got hang-ups. I need help. Jesus, be my potter. This is one time where you want to live in Pottersville. That's a Christmas season joke. That's what the church is, Pottersville. I didn't think of that till just now. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Where's the brokenness? We're so concerned sometimes about our image. I don't want anybody to think I got a problem. But we all got problems. Just some of us are, are humble enough to admit it. That pride stuff isn't going to get you anywhere. How many times can you super glue that cup? Anybody want to drink out of a leaky cup? How about saying, make me a new creature. Make me over again, Lord. I mean, if you've got to heat up that kiln and, and put me in there and, and melt me down a little bit, that's okay. Because I don't want to live this way anymore. I want to be in... I want to be in your hands, not in my own hands. You know what hands represent? Ability. And too many of us rely, too many of us rely on our own ability or the abilities of others, and we don't rely enough on God's ability. If this is just me and my ability, I am in serious trouble. I'm gonna tell you how this guy became this. When I was 22 years old, I was not a very good person. Oh, I went to church. You'd have thought I was a good Methodist boy. Young man. We could fake it when we went to church on Sunday mornings. Oh, how you doing? Oh, God's good. How are things going? Great. How do you feel? Great. How many times are you going to keep lying? You're sick. You're tired. You're worried. You're afraid. You're discouraged. And you don't want anybody to know it because they're going to think you're a wimp. One of the things I learned from my father 
was that real men do cry. He couldn't do it until he was old. But I learned from his mistakes. I cry all the time. Real men don't hug other people and tell them that they love them. Oh, I beg to differ, sir. Real men do brag on other people. Real men do hug on other people. Real men do praise other people. And I got to a point where I said, Lord, whatever it takes, let's make a deal. If you will help me with all these problems and all this brokenness in my life, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I had no clue what he had in mind. I thought that meant, well, you have to go back to church. You know, you've been missing a lot of church, and that's why you're in trouble. So if you, uh, I'll help you with your problems if you go back to church. No, that wasn't it. God wanted my whole life. I'm praying that this church is hearing me today. God wants your whole life. You bring the whole bag, all the good, all the bad, all the brokenness to the altar. You place it before him and you put yourself in his hands and make him Lord. And that's where this message began. So that he can save you. You know what? I guess I'm done. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel of honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. God wants to make a new vessel out of you so that he can use you. This is what he can do with a broken bag. He can make a new vessel. He can reshape it. He can cleanse it. I don't know about you, but I go into a restaurant these days, I look in the cup before I let them put anything in there. Do you? So any of you that say, well, it really doesn't matter if, you know, baptism really doesn't matter, it doesn't really matter what you look like, it matters to me. I'm not drinking out of some filthy cup. I want something that looks good, looks clean, and then I want some good coffee. And if it's not good, I'm gonna say, could I please have another cup because I'm not satisfied with what I'm drinking. You could say it in a kind fashion, but I expect a good cup of coffee for a good price. Amen? And you know what? The world wants to taste and see if the Lord is good. But God needs vessels. And that's where we come in. Now, some vessel, I'm going to say this, and I, I'm just going to say it. Not all the vessels in the house are good. Not all the vessels in the house are honorable. 
So if you're looking for perfection at abundant life, you're gonna be disappointed. But be a vessel of good honor. Be the kind that does the right thing. Doesn't matter what anybody else does. This is about you and the potter and staying in his hands and allowing him to shape you individually. Somebody said amen. I want to be a vessel of honor. Here's the alternative. Last verse I want to read to you. Revelations chapter 2 and verse 26. He that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the, there it is again, over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter shall be broken to shivers even as I've received of the Father. There's the potter even in Revelation. I don't want to be powder. I want to be clay. And, that, and I mean, you could preach 10 messages off of this, but I think, I've, I think I've made my point, so I'm going to stop. Let's stand together. Because I want people to come to the altar today in brokenness. I want you to tell God what he already knows that you need to be placed in his hands and submit to his pottership. I'll tell you this story. There was a rummage sale, an estate sale. They wanted everything to go. And most all of the big items were already gone and most people had spent most all of their money or so the auctioneer had thought. But one last item remained and it was an old violin. But the old violin had strings that were broken, had a lot of dust on it, looked like it had been pretty used and abused. But he wanted to get something for it, so he held it up and he said, who'll give me $100? And there wasn't a sound. 50? Nothing. Finally, he said, would anybody even give me $10 for this old violin? And a man in the back stood up and said, sir, can I see the violin? He said, sure. And he came up and he looked at it, put it in his hands and reached into his pocket and pulled out a few strings and attached the strings and wiped it down a little bit and made a few adjustments on it and put it up in his left arm and under his chin and he began to play it and began to play the most beautiful music you'd ever hear on that violin. And when that music filled that room, the auctioneer who couldn't get $10 said, who will give me $10,000? $20,000. What was the difference between just a few minutes ago? The difference was that that old violin that seemed so useless had been placed in the master's hands. He knew how to tune it up. He knew how to clean it up. He knew how to make beautiful music on the old violin because it was placed in his hands. Will you place your life in the master's hands today? In your brokenness, 
Will you once again become clay? Because I wouldn't want to see even one person in the potter's field, the place beyond the potter's shop, where vessels that refused to be shaped, that were too brittle, were thrown and lived in the dirt. When God wants to take your life and make something beautiful and useful out of it. Jesus, I pray today, draw people by your spirit to this altar and remind them that you are the potter that can take all of their brokenness. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.